Welcome to the podcast. Today, packed show. We have a lot going on. Obviously, there's so much going on in the world. We go through all the stuff, the latest breaking stuff in, uh, in Afghanistan. Uh, we have Bill O'Reilly on for his hour, and you get his take on Afghanistan as well. We have one of the two congressmen that went to Afghanistan just a couple of days ago. There was sort of a controversy around that. We'll talk to him. Uh, and uh, Glenn Beck is trending on Twitter. We get into why. Uh, always a good sign when you're trending on Twitter. Only good things come out of that. BlazeTV.com slash Glenn is a place to go to subscribe for Blaze TV. You get a promo code Glenn. We'll get you 10 bucks off. Also, subscribe to this podcast. Uh, we've had a big week over on Stu Does America as well. Uh, I think our biggest week ever when it comes to listenership and viewership. We do thank you for that. If you go and subscribe to the podcast uh, and give us a five-star review, we'd really appreciate that. For this podcast and Stu Does America, five stars is the appropriate number of stars. Here's the podcast. You're listening to... The best of the Glenn Beck program. From the Middle East, um, where we have been trying all week to get um, Christians out of uh, Kabul, uh, I can't give you an update today. Things have been so chaotic since last night. Last word, we had 5,100 Christians and refugees out. We're trying now. We're in another phase kind of looking for a land bridge, um, but uh, there are other people that are trapped at the airport, uh, not on the tarmac. Um, I think we have cleared all those. We have repositioned um, the airplanes that um, have been working for the Nazarene Fund. Uh, and I have to tell you, the the teamwork on the ground uh, is absolutely phenomenal. It is, uh, I want to make it really, really clear that it is not just us uh, that is is doing all of this by any stretch of the imagination. We are working with so many different uh, groups, and I will talk about that a little later on and how you can help. Um, but I, I first, I just want a super shout out to President Joe Biden, who is the worst president and he may, in my, you know, if you've listened to this program, I hate Woodrow Wilson. Hate him uh, with all the intensity of a white-hot sun. Maybe, as Pat would say, a thousand white-hot suns. I think that Joe Biden may surpass him as the worst president of all time. Uh, last night in the speech, I just I want to go over a I don't know just a couple of things. First, let's start with his message to ISIS K. To those who carried out this attack, no, as no, well no, as no, anyone no, who wishes America harm, know this: we will not forgive. Mm, we will not that's forget. A good mm. We will hunt you down and make you pay. Okay. All right. Okay. Stop, stop, stop. I I just, I have a couple of questions. Um, We'll never forgive. Great Christian message there for you. Um, But he wants to talk about ISIS-K. ISIS-K. Not the Taliban. Because, of course, the Taliban, they're helping us. And their big enemy is, you know, uh, ISIS-K. It's like Special-K, but it doesn't come in a box. Wish it did. If I were president... 
all of them would be coming in a box. But ISIS-K is against the Taliban, and the Taliban has been protecting us. Bull frickin' crap. That is not true. You are going to hear this bullcrap that ISIS is, uh, is against the Taliban, and the Taliban is so nice, and they're just trying to protect us, and they're guarding the gate. That's bullcrap. All of that is PR bullcrap. These guys do hate each other. But have you heard an idea in the Middle East called the enemy of my enemy is my friend? They'll try to blow each other up very soon. But first, they want to kill and humiliate us. So don't even start with this was ISIS-K because you don't know who it, uh, who it was. And by the way, let's say it was. There were three ISIS, I'm sorry, there were three Taliban checkpoints before you got to the main gate where our checkpoint was. Is the Taliban, it, they're so super good they're so reliable and so good and so able to beat us, but they couldn't recognize suicide bombs when they saw them through three separate checkpoints? Now the last point on this one. We're going to hunt you down, and we're going to make you pay. Well, maybe that's true. After we ship them probably a billion dollars on the airport and just leave it there like we did with uh, Iran, but how are we going to hunt them down, Joe? How are we going to do that? And, and, and this is kind of an interesting one because people are, we'll just bomb them. We'll just have a drone up in the sky and we'll just drone them to death. Hmm, will we? Well, first of all, let's just remind you that they now have more Blackhawks, the Taliban, has more Blackhawks than 85% of the world. Don't worry about it. They're cave dwellers with Blackhawks. Now, the second thing, um, usually you need some sort of an intelligence network to be able to find out on the ground who did it. Unless we're just going to take the Taliban's word for it because I know they're so trustworthy. We have no connections on the ground. If we did, none of them trust us anymore. None of them would ever work with us. We probably actually made people want to help the Taliban and blow us up the way we have betrayed them. There won't be a Middle Eastern contact for as far as the eye can see. So what intelligence network are you going to use, Joe, to find out who did that and where they are? This guy is a moron. A moron. When a guy like me can figure this out, you are a special kind of moron. Uh, now, let's go to uh, cut to the military recommended something. Mm -hmm. Did you personally reject a recommendation to hold or to recapture Bagram Air Force Base? Here's what I've done on the, let's ask this, answer the last question first. On the tactical questions of how to conduct an evacuation or a war, I gather up all the major military personnel 
that are in Afghanistan, the commanders, as well as the Pentagon. And I ask for their best military judgment. What and then would I be it. the most efficient way to accomplish the mission? Mm-hmm. They concluded, the military, that Bagram was not much value added, that it was much wiser really? to focus on Kabul. Wow. And wow. so I followed that Stop. recommendation. Stop. He Remember, he takes full responsibility, but he asked the Pentagon, how do we do it? He said earlier in the speech, I asked them three times today if they needed something, and they said no. Oh, well, that's taking full responsibility for it. I take full responsibility. I asked them, and they said they didn't need my help at all. They didn't want anything else. Uh Uh-huh. Does that include them saying, this is a colossally bad idea, we shouldn't do it, Mr. President, and then you saying, no, but we're going to do it anyway? Okay, what's it going to take? Well, I don't know, because this is going to be a disaster. But the good thing is, we have a huge air base there in the country that we could use for air support. No, no, no. Instead, the, the Pentagon said, What's, uh, what do you say we get rid of uh, the air base? Uh, let's get, there's no use for an air base here. There's no strategic value for this air base. Uh, that's why when we, uh, when we first started the war, we, we built that gigantic air base because there was no strategic use for it at all. When will the Pentagon stand up and say, that's bullcrap? Now, maybe, maybe the people running the Pentagon are that stupid, but the military's certainly not. Let me ask a Marine friend of mine, uh, Jason Buttrill, who is here with me in the Middle East, because all of us watching last night almost burst a blood vessel when we saw him say certain things. Your thoughts, Jason, on the president uh, uh, just heeding the advice of the generals and the Pentagon and saying, yeah, there's no strategic use for us to have that air base. Well, for one, I thought that he was just following Trump's plan. So I thought all these plans were already drawn up by the Trump people. So why are they even discussing altering it in the first place? Mm. Um, that, that's for one, you know, so this is a total shock to me uh, for, for that. Uh, two, there's no way, there's just absolutely no way the military would have said, hey, let's just abandon Bagram Air Base before we finish the, the full evacuation. Why would, you, why would anyone in their right mind do that? You don't take asset, assets off the table. Yeah. You just, just to cover your own ass, you're right. like, no, 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 let's just leave that alone. We'll take those guys out last. Just to cover your own ass, you do that. Right. And just, just for like geographical reference, Bagram Air Base is right above Kabul. So it's, in with, it's within striking distance of Kabul. So uh, if you are going to, let's say, ferry troops back and forth, if you need to put troops, let's say by some wild you know, stretch of the imagination that you botched the uh, withdrawal. And, you know, the Taliban rolled into Kabul last minute and no one thought that, oh, that did happen. Okay. Well, then no worries because you have Bagram Air Base there because you then you can pull in additional assets to secure the area. 
Um, but, oh, they abandoned Bagram Air Base. Mm-hmm. So none of this from a military strategic you know, perspective makes any sense whatsoever. What, so what does that tell you? It was all political. So politics has been driving this evacuation from day one. You know, in, in a situation like this, in a military situation like this, the situation drives your timeline. Now, the Biden administration has been doing it exactly the opposite way. The timeline has been driving the situation, which makes no sense whatsoever. They're looking at their timeline to say, oh, we're going to make our decisions based off of this, 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 and this. No. In any other military uh, situation, period, you're looking at the situation and you're adjusting your timeline off of that. None of this makes sense whatsoever. You know, you want to see somebody that was honorable uh, on taking responsibility. That would be Eisenhower and, quite honestly, George W. Bush. George W. Bush took the heat I was in his office when he he called me and uh, actually he didn't, but his people called me. Um, I said, you want something to impeach this president over? We were talking about the border. This, this is where you find something impeachable of this president. And uh, that night driving home uh, from CNN, um, I'll never forget, I'm driving, I pick up the cell phone, it's a 212 number, and uh, or 202 number, and they say, um, I pick it up, Mr. Beck, the president would like to see you in the Oval on Thursday and at 11 o'clock. And I didn't know what to do. I was just like, uh, okay, let me check. And I just held the phone out away from my face, like, what the hell? What do I? Okay, I'm good. Uh, and so I went, and um, he was a different person than you saw on television. He knew the names of everybody who had been killed or injured that he had personally called that morning. And it was around 11 o'clock, 11.30 when he told the story, and he was crystal clear on the name. He, he said the names of the people he called. Um, and he, he talked about assets that we had in the war, blah, 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 blah. And I said to him, no offense, Mr. President, but this is the guy that we need to see on television. And he said, you can't, blah, 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 blah. Uh, but the, the point of this story is that he said to me, it's, it's my decision. I told the military, you have whatever you want. We're not going to do this Vietnam style. So I will take the heat. And, and they said to me, fine, just please don't make the dead the death toll numbers coming from the White House all the time because that's what killed us last time. And he said, fine, I won't. And he said, there are so many times that I want to tell the American people good news, but I can't. And I know I'm going to look bad maybe for the next 50 years, but I'm going to take the responsibility because I made that promise. That's taking responsibility. This guy is, no, I, I told them what I wanted to do, and then they did it, and look how it's turning out, which, by the way, in the same breath, I'm going to say is fantastic, and uh, we, I should be praised for how it's, being, how it's turned, or turned out. It's just the military, Donald Trump, and anybody else's fault, not mine. Back in just a minute. Stu, can you verify for me that all of the questions were submitted in advance last night? I've heard that. I, I don't have it confirmed, but I have yeah, heard that. I've, I've yeah. heard that, too, and I'd like that confirmed if we can. I've heard that they were all, um, his questions were submitted in advance, and, you know, when he got up and he said, 
okay, I've been told I've got to start with Mr. President. I don't know if all the presidents are told, you know, hey, you might want to start with this. You have to stop saying that because you look like a, a, an absolute puppet of somebody. Stop saying that. Or here's an idea. Don't do it. <laughs> Be your own man. Pull up your big boy pants. When he spoke to Peter Ducey, uh, it was the most incredible, unpresidential thing I've ever seen. Here's the question. Hey, let me take the one question from the most interesting guy that I know in the press. Mm -hmm. Slam. That's you. Mr. President, there had not been a U.S. service member killed in combat in Afghanistan since February of 2020. You set a deadline, you pulled troops out, you sent troops back in, and now 12 Marines are dead. You said the buck stops with you. Do you bear any responsibility for the way that things have unfolded in the last two weeks? Now listen I to I bear this. responsibility listen. for fundamentally all that's happened of late. Mm -hmm. But here's the deal. Mm -hmm. You know, well, here's the deal. I wish you'd one day mm -hmm. say these things. You know as well as I do that uh -huh. a former president made a deal with the Taliban that he would get all American forces out of Afghanistan by May 1. In uh -huh. return, the commitment was made, and that was a year before. In uh -huh. return, he was given a commitment that the Taliban would continue to attack others, but would not attack any American forces. Uh -huh. Remember that? I'm being serious. No, I, I'm asking you a question. Because before... No, 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 wait a minute. I'm asking you a question. Is that, is that accurate, the best of you or not? What? Now he puts his face down into his hands. And, like, defeated. Which is a thing for him, I think. They have an issue that people are likely to get hurt. Some, uh -huh. as we've seen, have gotten killed, uh -huh. and that it is messy. The yeah. reason why, whether my friend will acknowledge it, or he's reported it, the reason why there were no attacks on Americans, as you said, from the date until I came into office, was because the commitment was made by President Trump, I will be out by May 1st, in the meantime, okay. so how does that make any sense at all? Then why did they start attacking us now? Wait, then why didn't you just do what President Trump was doing? Why did they start? Why did we have the third deadliest day of a 20 year war yesterday? Doesn't make any sense, but he's all jello and oatmeal in the head. The best of the Glenn Beck program. This is the Glenn Beck program with Bill O'Reilly. You can catch the no spin uh, news every day with Bill O'Reilly at BillOReilly.com. I urge you to subscribe. Um, I urge you to subscribe to anyone that you are listening to, that you trust. 
we all need to work together and we all need support or they'll pick us off one by one. Bill O'Reilly is joining us. I want to play two pieces of audio from the speech last night. The first one really doesn't need a comment, um, but this proves Bill O'Reilly right when he says he's not even there enough to understand. Listen to this. If Osama bin Laden, as well as al-Qaeda, had chosen Mm -hmm. to launch an attack when they left Saudi Arabia out of Yemen, would we have ever gone to Afghanistan? Even though the Taliban completely controlled Afghanistan at the time, would we have ever gone? I know it's not fair to ask you questions, it's rhetorical, but raise your hand if you think we should have gone. (laughs) I know it's not fair to ask you, and it's rhetorical, but raise your hand. Uh, First of all, you can't relitigate the past, and that's all that the uh, progressives seem to do. Here's my question for Bill O'Reilly. Bill, he says this almost every time, and I know that the president is given a list, but I have heard from last night, and I'd like confirmation on this, that all of the uh, questions were submitted prior to in writing. Um, Can you tell me, is this just a bad habit, or is there more to when when uh, Joe Biden says things like this. Ladies and gentlemen, they gave me a list here. The first person I was instructed to call on was Kelly O'Donnell of NBC. Bill? Uh, The Biden administration always asks for the questions in advance. I don't know the compliance level of that. I give Biden credit for giving Fox News a question yesterday. Um, you know, I'm sure they did that to forestall any criticism that he wasn't going to take any tough questions. But it doesn't really matter anymore, Beck, does it? Uh, the White House press score doesn't matter anymore. Corporate media doesn't really matter. And I was happy to see you um, tout that if people are listening to us now, you're really being deceived by the corporate media. And if you're still going to um, consume it, then that's on you. Because they're not going to tell you the truth. Um, Beck, I'm, we got you booked on the No Spin News on Monday. I don't know whether you'll be back or not. You know, we want you to be safe, first of all. But if you are back, we're going to talk about the Nazarene Fund and what, why you did what you did. Uh, and then we'll get into Afghanistan, of course. And, be, and it'll, be, um, it'll be a large part of the No Spin News on Monday. But I'll tell you, the corporate media would never put Glenn Beck on the air. And that includes Fox News. Okay. Uh, well, I was on with it. I was I, I was on with talk, uh, Tucker Carlson last night, but I think that's more of a, a personal thing. I'm never invited anywhere else uh, on Fox News. Right, Let right. me ask and you I'm this. I'm glad bro. I'm glad you were. I missed it, um, yeah. but I'm glad you were. But my point of the matter is that they don't they being the corporate media and extends throughout all you see on television. They're not interested in the truth anymore. They're not interested yeah. in it. So now the dilemma that they have and why, how Americans are being deceived once again, is that all of these people, all of them, every single one with the exception of FNC, endorsed Biden and did more than endorse him. They lied about Trump. They lied about uh, January 6th. They lied about Russian collusion. They lied about Ukraine. They lied and lied and lied and lied and lied. And now they're stuck with the guy that they 
put up as the champion to bring America back, build back better. Okay, and and this guy obviously is screwing things up to the extent that people are dying. Okay, so so in, when Trump was president, nobody was dying. But now Biden's president and people are dying all over the place. And okay, so, I'm, so go ahead, Bill, I want to ask you this. Go back to January and um, you won the presidency. How would you have handled the Afghan situation with the deal that Trump had in place? What would you uh, have ex- done? Excellent if you were question. President? Excellent question. Um, and I talked to Trump about this, um, and that's going to be one of the highlights of the O'Reilly Trump history tour, which is uh, underway in December. I want everybody to check that out on BillOReilly.com, because we're going to get answers to questions that nobody has even asked Donald Trump. But when you uh, take over a the uh, country, as Biden did in January, you have to bring fresh eyes to everything. That's number one. So it doesn't really matter what your predecessor did. But the second that Biden got in, because the progressives hated Trump so much, he issued 17-17 executive orders overturning Trump stuff. The second he got in, okay? And most of those executive orders have been disastrous. That border is the best example, but the pipeline shutdown, all of that just follows. So in Afghanistan... You have a situation where um, the United States went in there to get al-Qaeda, to destroy al-Qaeda, which it did. We did. We destroyed it. And I'll remind everybody once again that the only cabinet member that was against the bin Laden raid in Pakistan was Joe Biden. The only one. Okay. So then we decided, foolishly, to try to take on a medieval society steeped in Sharia law and turn it into California. Okay? That's pretty much what we, we said. We're, we're going to do this. They'll all be uh, listening to the Beach Boys when we get through with them. Okay? It was foolish, and everybody has pointed out, history has never changed, and the country will never change. It is a tribal nation that is fundamentally Islamic, and they're not going to change. No matter what you do, no matter how much you give them, the majority of people like being fundamentalists and like living in the Middle Ages. That's the truth. So we spent all this money, a trillion dollars, over a 20-year period, to try to do that. Didn't work. We had to get out. Trump was enraged because he goes, why are we spending all this money? We're getting nothing out of it. And that's how Trump thinks. He's a business guy. So he, he but. What Trump did with the Taliban is just what I told you before the break. He said, if you screw around with us while we're trying to get out of there, we're going to kill you. You! Okay? So the Taliban goes, oh, I really don't want to die tomorrow. And when I say kill you, drones are what is used to wipe these people off the face of the earth. And that's what I said. All Biden had to do was tell the 20 Taliban leaders, you screw around. And you're all dead. Might take a little while, but we'll get you. That's what Trump did. But the Taliban said, you know, Biden's not going to do that. He's not going to say that. And that's why we have what we have. So I don't do you believe getting out. I, I, most Americans agree with just, me and you, because I think yeah. you're in the same posture. You can't yep. stay there 
you know, ad infinitum. But you don't have to pull everyone out. You can have a stable force of 3,000 based in Bagram to make sure that atrocities don't occur. We're protecting human lives by doing that. Are we not? Yes. Biden, as confident as he is, would not even do that. Do we have the audio from Canada, um, one of the Canadian ministers, talking directly to the Taliban? If we have that, can we play that here? I want to take this opportunity to speak to our brothers, the Taliban. We call on you to ensure the safe and secure passage of any individual in Afghanistan out of the country. We call on you to immediately stop the violence, the genocide, the femicide, the destruction of infrastructure, including heritage buildings. Okay, we stop. call on you. The, she starts with our brothers, our brothers. the right, Taliban. Right. Do, do, yeah. do you think that um, that Biden, I'm pretty sure Rice thinks this way, that they actually think that these guys are kind of good guys? Honorable? No, I don't think that. I don't think so. You don't? No. no then why are they saying that? Well, I was a Canadian. That, you know, well, no, you had Joe you Biden last night saying, you know, Joe Biden made the uh, Taliban into heroes. They were the ones oh, guarding the yeah. gates. He's trying to, That's he's trying to kiss their, he's trying to kiss, he's trying to kiss their tushes so he can get as many people out. I understand. Is there any, okay? any doubt in your mind that last night, if Trump were president, if the same situation happened, our military would have had boots on the ground or drones would have been flying and we would have retaliated strongly immediately. I'm not sure because I don't think mm-hmm. it's wise to launch military action when you're still trying to pull people out of there. But I don't, as I said, don't, I know the Taliban wouldn't have done this. Look, it's as simple as this. When you do an operation, you have to do the operation methodically. You've got more than 1,000 ISIS prisoners in Bagram. That has to be negotiated beforehand. Does it not? Does it not? You've got 1,000 guys there. They're all murderers. And, you know, we've got to deal with them. But it wasn't dealt with. But right now, Biden has to, and I, I emphasize has to, launch military action. It's a matter of when he does it. When. You don't knee-jerk and do it right away because that puts innocent civilians in danger and babies, as you were talking about at the beginning of the program. But you have to punish them. You have to. Now, will he do that? Can he retain that thought? I'm expecting that there will be some military action, Beck, because now... The Biden administration is on the verge of collapse. The Biden administration and Afghanistan have something in common. They're both collapsing. So Biden's going to have to do something, have to, dramatic, to tell the American people, oh, no, I'm not going to sit by and watch this happen. So expect that in the next two weeks or so. All right, Bill O'Reilly, 30 seconds. What do you want to, uh, what do you want to pitch? Well, I want you to come on Monday and, and let me know uh, if you can't, because I think that's an important conversation. 
on the No Spin News Monday. Glenn Beck, Bill O'Reilly, we're going to talk about uh, a lot of things that directly impact Americans' lives, number one. Uh, Number two, the thank you for mentioning Killing the Mob. Number eight last Sunday, it's incredible. And if you need a good end of the summer, you're on the beach. Um, You know, Killing the Mob, you don't get better. And number three, please, everyone, please pray for your country. We are in a very bad uh, place right now. We're in a very, very bad place. Bill O'Reilly, thank you. And I think I'll have some breaking news on uh, Monday as, uh, as well. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you again. Stay safe. This is the best of the Glenn Beck Program. And don't forget, rate us on iTunes. Somebody that I'm really anxious for you to uh, meet Uh, In fact, I'm having her on uh, the Friday exclusive tonight to talk a little bit more about uh, Christian persecution all around uh, the world and and what what Afghanistan means for Christians around the world, uh, the collapse of this. She's from um, the Hudson Institute. You can find her at Hudson.org. Uh, her name is Nina Shea, and she is a senior fellow. She's the director of the Center for Religious Freedom, and she has been fighting here to um, protect Christians and get them out. Welcome, Nina. How are you? Great to be with you, Glenn. And you're doing such incredible work through your charities on helping these Christians right now in Afghanistan. And that's uh, what I'm primarily uh, concerned with, as I'm sure you are these days, uh, this week. Um, which may be their last chance. We have, um, uh, right now, I have about 40 uh, missionaries that um, uh, we're trying to get out, and some of them have already been beaten with chains, uh, and they're in hiding now. And, I mean, I don't know how we're going to get these people out, at least at this time, um, <laughs> well, because they are uh, I, that's right. really being hunted. I'm, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to work with the State Department to get them... Uh, you know, involved. And, uh, uh, you know, they keep saying that they received the files and we're going to, you know, see, I guess today will be the determining day. Um, This is the the fateful day for them. We have one case, Glenn, uh, of a man who's in hiding for a week around the perimeter of the airport because he's so terrified. He not only worked for the U.S. government, he's an adult, but since he was 16, but so did his father and his brother. They're Christians, mm. and the father and brother were killed last week, murdered by the Taliban oh for being um, for both of those things, and um, for working for the U.S. and for being a Christian. He fled immediately his home in Kandahar and is now in the periphery of the airport in hiding, waiting to get onto one of your planes. And I've been told by your team over there that your plane will take them, but they can't get them into the airport. And so um, this poor man um, is in shock. He cannot leave. He will not go back to his home. He will die there if he has to, because it's so brutal, as you know. You know, a woman was shot in the street because she did not have a burqa on when the Taliban took over. Uh, This is their harsh interpretation of Islamic rule, of of, uh, their Sharia, and uh, they show no mercy. They um, said, you know, they immediately declared when they took over Afghanistan, Islam has conquered. 
Afghanistan and uh, Islam will rule, and they erected a white flag with the Islamic profession of faith. And the problem with them is that they do not recognize the human agency in interpreting God's Mm -hmm. rule. They don't recognize that humans apply it and interpret it. And therefore, it's above criticism or accountability. And if you dare to suggest reform or moderation, you will be accused of blasphemy or apostasy and put to death. So that's that's the basic problem there. Uh, they don't so, believe in Nina, any form of democracy. Let me let me ask you. Can I can I go back to? Are you willing to go in um, at all about the the? Um, how can I say this? The the issues with the State Department. Are you willing to to talk about any of those or or not? And I understand. Um, if not. Yes, yes. No, I I, I am. Um, the the, the uh, there are individuals who are willing to help uh, mm-hmm. within the State Department, and we're working with them. I'm working with a wonderful member of Congress, uh, Jeff Fortenberry, who's an appropriator in Congress means he is one of the people who control the purse purse strings of the State Department, Mm -hmm. so they do have to listen to him. He's uh, from Nebraska, and he's been advocating for us, but so far we haven't gotten to square one. We haven't gotten them into the airport so they can take your plane or some other plane or a U.S. plane. And some of them are eligible for U.S. planes as well. Um, but the State Department has a policy right now of not letting in uh, Afghan civilians. And um, I, they are focused on the political. I think that, you know, they don't want to say, uh, the president doesn't want to say that um, that they left any American behind. So they're trying to just focus on that and, and, and shut out the people that have supported us, that have worked with us, who are going to be killed, either for their faith or here's the amazing thing is they don't have to do anything you know our organization has people in the airport with the airplanes other organizations have people outside the gates that want to come in or they're going and gathering these people and then bringing them i mean we've all really been playing nicely with each other all of all of these charities um, are it's it's like nobody cares about credit and we're all just kind of doing it um, and we all have different strengths and weaknesses but the but the State Department is acting like it's just the biggest of deals just to approve a list right and you're not even asking for visas <laughs> for them uh, right. you're, you're, you found uh, other countries that will take them which is the most Correct. amazing piece of this. And um, because I know how hard it is, having gone through this in, on the Iraq Christian uh, when, uh, front when mm. ISIS came through, that's always the toughest thing, is to try to put the whole package together, which you have done. And then they control the airport. Our people control the airport and won't let them in. Um, and uh, it's, it's, it's really astonishing. Um, people who've gotten in, as you know, some of them have been driven out by the State Department of the airport. Oh, um, mm-hmm. And uh, so it's, uh, it's unconscionable. And um, it's it particularly galling to me because I heard uh, the president get on television last week and say that human rights were at the center of his concerns. And uh-huh. um, that's simply not true here. 
Um, we're seeing uh, it, it, people being terribly persecuted for their human rights, for their right to religious freedom, for their right to expression. Um, aid workers, journalists, everybody's in trouble. And it's, it's you know, he's delivered over 40 million, the president has delivered over 40 million Afghans to a brutally repressed, one of the world's most brutally repressive Islamist regimes. So um, it's it's astonishing. Um, they're trying to say, well, after today, you know, they're going to negotiate with the Taliban to find ways out. Uh, the Taliban is a it, it, it considers us to be blasphemers. Um, we mm-hmm. are not uh, a, an Islamic country. Now, maybe we can go through Turkey or some other Islamic country, but they are so radical that it's impossible to know and. These checkpoints, as you said, people are getting brutalized at them by the Taliban. Um, there is a man from Canada that was waving his passport outside the airport perimeter who was bleeding from the head after being beaten by chains by the Taliban just for trying to leave. Um, he had a Canadian passport. Um, it's, uh, the, the, they want to kill anyone who is not part of their... Uh, movement, their ideological movement of extreme Sharia. Nina, I'm sure you feel the same way. You felt the same way. Um, but, but for the first time, I really understood those people that were trying to get Jews out of Germany. Um, you know, we had all this cash um, and we could get airplanes, but we couldn't necessarily get them, um, you know, as as the Nazarene Fund. We have relied on other charities um, to to help us do what they do best. And uh, I, I sat there in my home, this was last week, I think, and I, I sat there in my home and I thought, these people don't mean anything to the Taliban. They don't. They, they don't. They're going to kill them. It's just this raging hatred. And it is it's such an amazing thing to to be in a position to where you say, I can buy them from you. Let me just buy them from you. Uh, and you can't because the hatred is so deep. Yeah. Um, well, they, these are people who have been um, at war and killing and being killed for 40 years, even before we were, you know, long, long before we were there during the Russian period. Uh, so they are hardened uh, warriors. Uh, they're even asking their own imam to in the country to make lists of girls over the age of 12 um, to, to marry off as spoils of war to their jihadis. I mean, this is the way they think. It's an extremely uh, barbaric um, culture um, where they uh, life is cheap. Women mean nothing. It's, women are property. Uh, Christians are beyond contempt. They're, they're an insult. To, they're considered an insult by their mere presence, an insult to their religion by mere presence, their mere presence. And they want them killed. They want to purify their land, and, um, or so they think. Um, so it's a bloodletting that has been going on for uh, 40 years, and to think that um, we can negotiate with them um, or that we will have a partnership with them which one of our military commanders said, I was astonished to see that astonished. yesterday, yeah. um, is delusional and is extremely na- dangerously, it's foolish and dangerously naive. And um, 
we are throwing the people who we work with, our real partners, people who believe in our values and uh, have supported us against this scourge. And it's not going to stay in Afghanistan, Glenn, as you know. Uh, there is a counterpart in Pakistan. And Pakistan is a country with a nuclear bomb. So it, it's a very dangerous uh, situation from a national security front, from a geopolitical front, and then from our own sense of values and culture. We're talking to uh, Nina Shea. Um, uh, tonight when we're on the TV show, I want to just ask you um, what the situation is around the rest of the world and what this, what this means. But let me just um, end our time here with how many, the, you know, we don't have numbers, we have estimates, and they range, you know, wildly. How, how many people that uh, are marked for death um, because of their religion, are we? do you think we're leaving behind? Well, I think that the best estimates range between ten and 12,000 Christians. Um, most of these Christians are converts from Islam, and they live in a deep yeah. underground. Um, they have no tr- real formal designated church building. Um, so they they report on Twitter saying that they feel thrown to the wolves. So I think all of those people are in danger of death, men, women, and children. Um, there are also uh, Hindus, some Sikhs, some Shia, Muslim, Hazaris, um, and others who are uh, too afraid to be mentioned. I, I know the, the names of their face, and I talked to one of their leaders, and he said, don't mention us, we're trying to get everybody out. And that mm-hmm. was a week ago. So, um, you know, this is, um, you know, I think it's easily 40,000 people that we've left behind. Um, and, uh, uh, but especially uh, these Christians, 10 to 12, because thousand because they are converts and they are considered apostates. And that's punishable under their code, their interpretation of Islam um, is punishable by death. And... Um, that's already happening. And, you know, it, it, 10 years ago, Glenn, there was uh, the Taliban attacked a mission group who were on horseback going through the mountains in the winter trying to give air care uh, with their pack horses to the remote mountain villagers. And they were all murdered by the Taliban. They were all shot to death, all 10 members of this team, this medical team, doctor's team. They weren't out to, they happened to be a Christian group, but they weren't focusing on spreading the faith. They were focusing on giving this medical care. And the Taliban propagandist back then is the same one who's identified in the press now as their spokesman. Mm-hmm. Uh, his name is Mujahid, yep. is his last name. Um, he said the medical team was killed because they were spying for the Americans and preaching Christianity. He said that to the New York, New York Times. That's where I got that. So um, this is how they view Christians. We're talking to uh, Nina Shea. Uh, Nina, I'll talk to you uh, later for the um, for the TV show tonight. I, I uh, uh, is there anything that we are not doing that we should be doing to help you? Do you have everything you need from us? I need prayer, <laughs> and I, I really appreciate it, Glenn. Thank you so much. Okay. Um, thank you so much for everything that you do. You know, we're kind of just showing up here at the end, and you've been doing this, um, you know, for a very, right, very long time. You're doing invaluable. With, with 
Thank you. Um, Nina Shea, um, you can follow her at uh, Hudson.org at the Hudson Institute. Na, 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 na.